I'm attorney Kevin Johnson. I'm attorney Barry Boykin. Welcome to episode 27 of our podcast, Dynamite Divorce and Other Matters. We're pleased to have with us a special guest, Mr. Patrick Denkwa. John, welcome, Patrick. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I don't think you and I have talked very much. We've been passing each other in the hallway for 20 years. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about you? So, yeah, I've been practicing for 22 years. I grew up uh, much of my life in uh, New York City. Graduated from high school in Brooklyn. Went to undergrad in Harlem. Was in the uh, Coast Guard for seven years. Moved to this part of the country uh, 20-something years ago. Went to Kent Law School in Chicago and decided to stay here. A transplanted Chicagoan, just like me 20 years ago. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So... What area of law do you usually practice? I practice, uh, I'd say, close to 90% family law. I'll do a little bit of civil litigation, general civil litigation, contract disputes or commercial litigation here and there. I've done an occasional landlord-tenant. I mean, I've done just about everything except serious criminal and bankruptcy and immigration. Other than that, I've done a little bit of everything, but mostly family law. And are you in a firm? How do you practice right now? I am, just under a month ago, I went on my own. So uh, I'm solo. I'm solo. And so now it's hunt, kill, eat. Uh, (laughs) Now, for our (laughs) listeners who don't understand what that means, there are phrases in law like eat what you kill and other things that sound terrible. I mean, hunt, kill, eat is a phrase lawyers would use to say what? Now it's not about getting a paycheck, doing the work that's placed on your desk by someone else and then getting a set paycheck. Now you've got to go out and hunt. You've got to get the case and then you work the case and then you got to go chase the money, you know? <laughs> so it's like, three separate jo- you know, it's like, it's like a whole, and as you all know, anyone in private practice, if you work for yourself or if you're a partner, you, you know that uh, collecting after you've done the work is like a whole nother job. <laughs> so our listeners, many of whom lack the resource to hire an attorney probably think that, Lawyers are making a bundle in a predatory way off their misery. And uh, all they have to do is just count the money. In fact, the fingers are worn out from counting all the money as it comes in. Isn't that, that's how it is with private practice, yeah, right? Yes. And I tell people, I've told people who think that, I remember one time many, many years ago, this uh, young lady, when I was single, this young lady was uh, met at my church and she thought that, you know, I was just going to be loaded. I said, well, listen, I'd like to take you out to dinner or something or lunch. She said, okay. So I took her out to lunch. We didn't go to Ruth Christ, you know. We 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 went someplace very modern. So so she was like, "Oh well, um, uh, okay. I thought you were gonna take me someplace that was, you know, really fancy." I said, "Well, I told you that, you know, I don't make a lot of money." She says, "But how could you not make a lot of money? You're a lawyer, right? I thought you said you're a lawyer." And, and I said, "But you know that I'm telling you." So I said, "Okay, well, let me come on. Let me take you to my car and take you home." So I took her to her car. I was driving a Ford Escort. She says, this is your car? I said, yes. I, yes, but you're a lawyer, right? I said, yeah, but I told you, you don't make a lot of money. I said, okay, well, listen, you want to come to my house? We can watch a movie or something. She said, okay. We go. It's a small one-bedroom, modest neighborhood. She gets up to my apartment. She goes, this is where you live? I said, one disappointment after. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like well, how many times after? And now here's the thing. I said, look, you saw where I took you to lunch. You saw what I drive. And now you see where I live. Are you satisfied now that all lawyers are not rich? We do not all make a lot of money. You know what she said? 
She says, oh, no, you're not fooling me. That just means you got a lot of money in the bank. That's all that means. <laughs> so it's, the, well, I, I understand what you're saying about getting paid. So it might seem, you know, $300 an hour or something paid to a lawyer. Like, why do they need that much money? Uh, I can tell you from personal experience that it does melt down pretty quickly when you're paying your office and, and all your expenses and things like that. So thank you. And now that you're on your own, I'm sure you have a website and we can put a link in the notes pages to go with this episode. You have a website, right? I don't have a website. I do have a Facebook page and I could, t- uh, you know, and I could tell you what. The- okay. We'll, yeah. we'll put the, we'll put the link on it. We can put your phone number on there, but however people can get a hold of you. So after we, uh, disagree with you and butt heads with you today people can decide for themselves whether they want to talk to you or All not. Right. no we won't we won't make you look bad no no actually we brought you on because of your extensive knowledge of family law and uh, we hope that you'll offer some fresh perspective rather than just the same old boring stuff from me and barry so uh, <laughs> so uh, so anyway how on to a topic okay so we're supposed to have a topic today since we have patrick here I thought we could talk about what parents should say to children during a divorce or custody case. What do you say? How do you handle it? How do you answer their question? Before we go further. This podcast is no substitute for the specific legal advice you will get by consulting one-on-one with a licensed attorney in your state or country. We hope that before taking any action that might change your life or your financial situation and before making decisions that might significantly affect your children and the people around you, you do find and meet with a licensed attorney. Now, now on, with, on the with the show. Well, we're back. Uh, Patrick and Barry, you've had situations where your clients come to you and say, Amy came back from the visit with Henry and told me that his girlfriend was there all weekend. Or, I don't like the food that I'm getting over there. It's all pizza and i don't like pizza he's always going to buy pizza and can you think of other things that people will come and say to their parents like look the kids will come and say to their parents can you give other examples because i can think of many i found that most of the complaints actually don't come from the kids as complaints they tend to be non-judgmental observations and then one of the parents turns it into a complaint. So a child may say, or children may say, oh, we went out and you know we were watching a movie and we stayed up till 11. And they're just talking about how the weekend went. And then the other parent goes, oh, till 11? Well, you're not supposed to be staying up. And then it comes out like that. It's, yeah. I, I, I find it to be more often that it's a non-judgmental simply kids talking about their day or their their time and then the other parent will just nitpick and find something to complain about if it is something that the child really sounds like the child really has a problem with i usually find that if if it if it's really coming from the child then it's usually something that um i can handle better and i can say to whether it's my client or the other person okay look the child really has a problem with this and then, and you all may have this this come up, that when you say the child has a problem, that the other parent will often say, oh, they don't have a problem. 
you know, it's the other parent that's putting words in their mouth and telling them to, you know, be on my case. So some of it is simply, to me, determining, well, who really has a problem with this? Does the child really have a problem? Can you give me an example of something you might hear? Like, it would be spoken by your client, but it'd be about their home life or about what the child is, is doing or okay. saying. Okay. Um, concrete a, example. concrete example I've heard <laughs> is, let's say, uh, kids go on a visitation with, uh, d- with dad and, you know, dad's new girlfriend or new wife. And then the mom says, oh, you know what? My kid says they really don't like going over there with the new girlfriend or the new wife because the, the, the new stepmom is mean to my kids. Okay. Now, I mean, mean stepmother is practically a proverb. I mean, it is so common, right? And stereotypical, but but you hear that. So then then, then it's like, oh boy, now I got to get into the details of the he said, she said, right? Like, well, what what does mean mean? Give me some examples and then they'll give you examples. Oh, I did this. And then they just, they barked at me or they yelled at me. And then when you go talk, well, who are you? Who are you talking to now? The, you don't talk to the child, right? You're talking to the mom or the well, whatever. If it was well, the- well, you know, I do. I'm also a GAL, so I I function. I represent the mom or the dad. But then when I'm a GAL, I'm talking to both parents about these things. And well, that was okay, the question. So from- that was the question I was going to ask. And, yes. and so, Patrick, you've answered. And I think you and Kevin have that in common. I, I have not been myself appointed as I'm not on the list. There's a list in Cook County, Illinois, for child representatives, I'm not on the list. So I'm always representing either one parent or the other. But I was curious as to whether, uh, I don't think I've, I've had a case where you've been the child rep. No. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, but I'm glad to know that for the, for the future in case I need to recommend somebody. Yeah, somebody who doesn't, well, who doesn't uh, I'm going to kick butt and take names, Barry. That's what I do, kick butt yes. and take names. Yes, yes. <laughs> Now, now, that, now that, that I already know. I already know. <laughs> so how about this phrase, you know, from the JL or child revenue, there's a new sheriff in town. There's a or new sheriff. Like yeah, you have yeah. to be firm with them. But uh, I prefer to be, um, when I have a difficult, to me, having a difficult client, I think is probably not as challenging as it is, is for most people because I don't have a problem confronting them. I, I think some lawyers have a problem confronting their own clients and telling their clients, no, this is a bad idea. I don't really. Oh, thank God for that, because I, I deal sometimes in cases where I think uh, the other side is being spoon fed by their attorney to you know, whatever you say. OK, whatever you say, you want to file a motion, we'll file a motion. You know, and I think, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about having a clear goal and pursuing a resolution of the issues instead of just let's heap some more on the fire? Yes, you know? And I always <laughs> tell my clients who are difficult and I say, well, first of all, I say, look, you shouldn't do this. Or you shouldn't do that. And if they argue with me and I say, look, it's a really bad idea. They still argue with me. And then I tell them this. I say, look, so you're paying me by the hour. If I did what you wanted, mm-hmm. I'd make more money. Now, I'm actually turning yeah. down money. Now, does that give you any idea how bad your idea is? <laughs> Thank you. So, do, do you so realize how, how bad this? your suggestion is that even for money, I'm telling you no? Now, I want you to just meditate <laughs> right. on that and call me back tomorrow and figure how terrible <laughs> is it that someone won't do it even for money. So and that well, and that usually okay, gets tell them, me, you know, thinking for our, listeners, for our listeners who have plenty of advice coming at them from relatives or the Internet or they heard another podcast, not as good as ours, but they've, they've got some other information. They now have an idea what they want to do. OK. And you 
but could they just do whatever they think is right? I mean, how, what, you know, they don't have a lawyer. Our listeners don't have a lawyer, many of them. So they should just wing it or go by what their friend says or what's the best thing. I'm now asking you about when kids come back with upsetting things or they have questions that aren't easily answered. What do they do, right? Now, now here, Kevin, I'd, I'd like to, us to step back just a minute at a place where the attorneys are not in the room. Where, and I'm, I'm talking about the moment of initial breakup. So the parents are separating now for the first time. Good, and, yes. And what do they tell the kids? You know, why are mommy and daddy now living in separate uh, houses? You know, why won't dad come home anymore? And so do the parents then sit down together with the kids and say, as a joint friend, say, well, some things have happened where, you know, your dad and I can't live together, mom says. Uh, so are they together jointly presenting it, the separation, having a talk with the kids? Or does each parent go off on their own and say, well, here's why we broke up. You know, it's it's her fault. It's his fault. Yeah. So that, that kind of sets the scene, doesn't it, don't you think, insofar as how the kids relate to this breakup, this separation, this trauma, really, in their lives? When the kids see the parents start one of them starts packing the suitcase starts to move you know moving out yeah. i wouldn't think it's often a very sudden thing i think they've heard the arguments there's been slamming doors there's been some up and down and uh who knows they maybe been crying in the bedroom with the door closed or kids hear it they're people think well i i always talk to my spouse behind you know behind closed doors and stuff like that <laughs> I, I just think it's a joke the kids hear it they hear it and uh or they pick up a phone and, and the parents aren't sophisticated enough to have a passcode and then they read the text or something like that. They pick up on the tension and everything. So, Patrick, what do you recommend to our listeners who are watching the end of a relationship and kids are involved? So ideally, both parents would sit down calmly and non-judgmentally say something like, OK, little Sally and little Johnny, mom and dad are breaking up. And the reasons for the breakup, really, that's adult discussion. And we're not really going to get into why we broke up, because that's grown-up talk. But what you all need to know is that whatever happened between us, that we both love you all very much, and we want you to be in both of our lives, and we both want to be in your lives. Now, is that like 0.01% of how people really break up in real life? I think that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can be aspirational. We can have hopes and dreams of, yeah, you know, people yeah. here, people have come to us and they're listening this far into this episode 27 because they want to see if we have any helpful ideas. So the kids are naturally prone to thinking it's something they did, right? Well, I got to see on my homework and the next day they broke up <laughs> or, you know, you, yes. you know what I mean, right? Yes. Or I argued with mommy about not wanting mac and cheese and now she's crying and now she's moving out. It doesn't make any sense, but kids can yes. take it on, and right? So that the ideal is for parents to be mature and calm and have that discussion. But, you know, the practice is, I'm sure as both of you guys know, that typically you're not going to have two calm people. You won't even have one calm person. But even if you have one calm person, that's usually the person that is doing the leaving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They packed up their feelings 
and they're not invested right. in the relationship anymore. So they're, they're they maybe months ago they kind of decided, and now they're finally doing it. The other side though might have feel like their hearts ripped out because it's coming out so of the suddenly, other person feels and they're dumped. And you know, one of the things I've found in my years, I remember we'd have like whenever I would talk to a young lawyer and it's a brand new divorce or a paternity case, and and and, and they're asking me a question about their client and they want my opinion. They say, oh well. Uh, let me ask you a question. How should I deal with this or that? And they say, oh, my client says that this other person just, they thought that the, that the relationship was fine until this other person just walked in one day and said, that's it, I'm leaving. I said, your client's a big fat liar, okay? Because nobody just walks. They've had all kinds of arguments. I mean, in 22 years, I have one case, one case where everything was really fine and the guy just walked in after 30 years of marriage. He met somebody half his age and then decided he was going to leave his wife. And everything was fine until then. But other than that, they're just, I said, look, your client's just lying. And if they're not lying intentionally, they're lying to themselves, you know? So I'm like, so. so, so well, Patrick, I, I have one actually to top that. Now, now this really belongs more than the, in the podcast, kind of in Ripley's Believe It or Not. But I had, one case, I had one case early in my career where, now there are no kids involved, but a couple got married. They were, they were of advanced age. They were seniors. You know. and, uh, but they got married. They, they got to like each other, got married. And the, on the honeymoon, the husband uh, said, I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes. He walked out of the hotel and never came back. He never came That's back. like from a movie or something. That's almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! After all the trouble of getting married and then and then to walk out on the honeymoon. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, he uh, something something must have happened. But uh, so yeah. so most of the time when people are breaking up, the calmer person is usually the person leaving. Uh, that's been my experience. The person who's initiating. And, and you know what? <clears throat> yes. And another point to what you're saying is sometimes the creepy abusive person is the calm one too. And you know, the other one is all torn and, and they're, they're rattled and maybe they've moved from apartment to apartment, their lives unsettled, they lose jobs and everything like that. Meanwhile, you've got this icy cold person who's got a steady job. They live in the same place the whole time and they look better in a custody battle. They look better because they haven't moved. And if judges are not experienced enough to see this or or uh, say, for example, a GAL, they could see, well, that person looks like an emotional wreck. Meanwhile, this is a very calm parent who has everything together. Right, and not realizing that, well, they're an emotional wreck because they just haven't learned the proper coping skills. And I've seen a lot of, um, just a lot of mental health problems, but they go undiagnosed. I mean, it's kind of like people who are mm -hmm. functional alcoholics. You know, they're not a wino, they're not... Yeah, people who have mental health problems, but they're not so crazy that they can't hold a job. Right. You know, right. But they have all these yeah. emotional problems. The amount of selfishness and narcissism that I've just seen, generally mm -hmm. speaking, as a society, you know, that we've just had, it just increases. And then when you put it in a intimate relationship with husbands and wives or parents and kids and all the nasty things people do to take digs at each other that the judge will never see. Right. And the judge only right, sees right, right. these two people. And if one person, like you said, is calm and the other person is crazy. And so one of the things I often have to tell my clients, if they tell me about these crazy things that they're being experienced, 
is I said, look, you're being judged right now. You're being judged right now. And they're very yep. upset. And so, for example, to get back to your question about how to deal with the, what you tell the children, I find that the difficult thing is convincing, for example, your listeners that there's a right way to talk to kids and don't get baited into stooping down to the level of the other person if they don't follow those rules. So you, so if you tell somebody, look, you shouldn't try to badmouth the other parent and you should try to cooperate with the visits and so on. And then... But look what he's saying about go. me. I heard it from the there kid. Go. And they'll say, look what he's saying. Look at these nasty texts. Look, and now Facebook's a big thing. You know, they put nasty stuff yes. about oh. me on Facebook. Look at this. They're telling the whole world. Yes. My friends are telling me what he's posting. I myself don't go looking for it. But you know what? They're calling me and they're, or they're forwarding things to me. And I say, wait, if they're really your friends, they'll stop forwarding that yeah. stuff. Because he's using, he's turning everybody into his weapons. And all of your support people are now forwarding his crap. Why is it his? Could be hers. But they're forwarding the other person's stuff. In a, in a sort of a cascade of, of, of digs, right? So don't have your friends forward your stuff, right? And also stay, stay the heck off social media. And one of the media. things I tell people, right now. and if you, many of your listeners, if they don't have lawyers especially, <laughs> um, this is something I tell my clients. When people are going through the breakup, whatever the disputes are with the kids, the one thing they don't have and can't have is perspective. They do not have perspective. So they think that every dispute is a life and death matter. This is like watching, what's that movie? Um, oh, man, I, I, not the movie, it was the series. Um, it was with, with, the, with the gladiators, you know? So like every dispute they have is like Game of Thrones, right? Or, yeah. or yeah. Hunger Games or something. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I tell people is, listen, you have to decide what's important. And everything can't be important, okay? So you've got to pick your priorities and then, and this is probably the hardest thing, you got to have patience. Because I tell people, kids don't stay young forever. So you've got to decide what's very, very important and maybe fight for these things and pick your battles. But then really, if someone's lying about you, if someone's on Facebook saying terrible things, guess what? In the end, people will figure it out. But you will spend a couple of years being in the doghouse, okay? I mean... You know, you could spend years being in the doghouse. And then eventually people are going to make up their own mind about this person. And your kids are going to make up their own mind about this person. And when someone makes up their own mind, that's better than any argument that you could make to tell them that, uh, that these things are lies. What about the kids coming to the mom or the dad? And it sounds like when, from what they're saying that, they're sort of going over to the other parent's side. They seem sympathetic to the other parent. And, and I'm losing the battle for my kids. And what do I now? What do I do? He's turning them against me. She's, she's getting under there. She's turning them against me. There's a fear parents have that somehow the kids are going to be turned against them. You know, and this is where patience really comes <clears throat> in. And it's very difficult when they're in the middle of it to have any type of perspective. And so what I've told people is I said, well, look, let's say you got a 10-year-old, 10, 11-year-old. And you feel, oh, wait a minute, they're telling the kids all kind of lies about me that I did this to them and I did that to them. And what should I say? And then, of course, the parent wants to fill in and defend themselves and give and give their version <laughs> yeah. of what happened. So now the kids have got two yeah. liars. 
right? They've got moms, mom saying dad's a liar, dad saying mom's a liar. And so, and so the best thing is to say, hey, look, um, uh, in, except in rare instances, say, oh, really? Oh, really? Mom told you that I'm a crackhead? Well, you know, I'm so sorry that mom would even get you involved in adult business, Sue, but that's really n- none of it. Listen, I mean, have I been high in front of you? I mean, am I doing lines of coke while you're here? You know, I'm so sorry that mom decided to do that, but I think it's best that, you know, we leave you and, 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 and your brother or Bill out of that stuff. We shouldn't be talking. I'm really disappointed that mom chose to, to bring those things, but that's not something that we should really be talking about. That's very difficult for people to do. But, you know, if you do it once or twice, it's kind of like a, when people can't get a rise out of you out of a while, they kind of yeah. have to let it go because eventually the kid's not stupid. I mean, they're confused and they're hurt. But an answer like that, a soft, gentle answer that just says, well, gee, I'm so sorry that mom dragged you into our adult conversation. I mean, I wonder why she told you that I do cocaine. Have you ever seen me done cocaine, Sue? Well, they send things, too. Like, like, mommy, were you a stripper? I thought you. I was an exotic dancer. Exotic dancer. You know, and, and, and just enough to get under their skin so they react. And then back at dad's house, it's, did you ask mommy about being a stripper? Yeah. What, what, what'd she say? Her eyes got really big and she well, shouted. You know, well, you know, you know, you, like, well, you know what, 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 mom, what mom should have said if she wants to get back in there says, mommy, were you a stripper? She should have said, well, yeah, that's how I met your dad. I should have known then he was cheap. He was a bad tipper back then. <laughs> you know, or uh, daddy, were you, why were you in prison? I wasn't in prison. It was jail. I, you, you know, it was only a misdemeanor. I was in jail. Okay. You know, and, and just enough truth, you know, that to get the other person to erupt, you know, and, uh, well, my, and then the reaction, I do think the reaction is reported back because there are certain irresponsible people who will say, did you ask dad about being in prison? Yeah. He said it was only jail. He was really upset. You know, now, now he here, threw a cushion across the room. Here's some of my experience about that, which is, in, in some sense, I, I think that it's a very apt comparison that Patrick makes about Game of Thrones, that uh, you have two liars, and they're really competing. Uh, and the throne is really the, the children's affections. That's the throne. So both of them are fighting hard as they can fight. They're two liars. But the effectiveness of a lie, of course, is that there's some kernel of truth in something as we're saying here that you know the stripper actually she did have a year maybe as exotic dancer maybe that maybe, maybe dad spent three days in county jail you know for some being drunk and disorderly but that doesn't that doesn't define the parents you know but of course parents then it's a natural inclination to want to defend and say oh you know and then attack the other person so it's that attack attack counterattack attack counterattack It looks like we've come to the end of our time for part one of this episode 27. So we'll wrap this up and see you in part two. I'm attorney Kevin Johnson. I'm attorney Barry Boykin. I'm attorney Patrick Denkwa John. So please stick around for part two. Thank you.